Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. You've joined a global movement of sales professionals who are dedicated to being authentic and building trust. We call it Selling from the Heart. Together, we are on a mission to bring sincerity and substance to the sales profession we all love. Get ready to be inspired and equipped as we join our hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy. Larry here. Before we dive into this episode, I want to share something with you that I'm really excited about. Are you ready to connect with your clients on a deeper level and truly make a difference in their lives? Then discover your authentic selling style with Selling from the Heart. At sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash selling dash style, you'll find a powerful online program that will help you tap into your unique strengths and abilities to create authentic and successful sales interactions. If you want to show up authentically for your prospects and clients to grow your sales, we created this just for you. So head on over to sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash selling dash style now and discover your authentic selling style today. Welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Uh, all kinds of things. I just had, I love our new music. I just had flashbacks to like <laughs> in high school and sitting in a, in a concert. I don't know why, but I just, I had to throw that out there. All Darryl. right, come back, Larry, come back. This is going to be a great episode. We got Dave Curlin in the oh, house. We're in for we a, have a fantastic time today. And I hope you're enjoying the new format. One of the things that that we love doing, we love this community of authentic sales professionals that's rising up literally all over the world. And we got a shout out to our friend Aaron Woods today. Yeah. And what I love about Aaron Woods is I finally got to meet Aaron Woods a couple of weeks ago when I did a sales kickoff for a really heart-centered company. And uh, I just have to give a shout out, but Aaron's read the selling from the heart. Not only has he read it, he's listened to it three times. And Aaron goes on to say this third time reading, listening, not your typical. I know. (laughs) So cool. And by the way, he lives in your backyard, Daryl. He goes third time reading and listening. And this is not your typical sales book dives into what takes it, what takes to separate yourself from the used car salesman and how to cure commission breath. Totally love it. Thanks, Aaron. Beautiful. Great great mix of content to keep you engaged. I love Aaron Woods. Thank you. Yeah, Aaron, you're a true selling from the heart champion. Thanks for sharing that (laughs) review on the book. And we read every single review that comes in on the book, on the podcast, on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you to everybody that's leaving reviews. And by the way, We'd love to get to know you. And one of the best ways to get to know our, me and Larry and other professionals that are like-hearted sales professionals, come hang out with us in the Insiders Group. We talk about it all the time in the podcast. So if you haven't <laughs> been yet, why haven't you come to hang out with us? It is so great being in that virtual room with other like-hearted professionals, sharing their hearts, getting uh, solutions to problems, encouraging each other. It's absolutely incredible. The Selling from the Heart Insiders Group. Yeah, well, you know, it's totally what's totally great about this. Everyone is this: we meet four times a month. Twice we mastermind. Twice we bring thought leaders, authors, people that are near and dear to us. We bring them right smack close to you, and what we call mm-hmm. up close and personals. We're bringing our network right into our Insiders Group, and this this is this is what makes this thing totally cool. 
Yeah, so you can come hang out with us. You get a free pass. Go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash free dash pass. Sellingfromtheheart.net slash free dash pass. And come hang out with us at the next Up Close and Personal. You're absolutely going to love it. <laughs> hey, Daryl, you know what? I just I just saw this. I just dropped the word totally cool. That is so embarrassing. You're so California. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got a great guest today. He's in the green room. He's ready to roll. His name is Dave Curlin. He's a top-rated speaker, best-selling author, sales development industry pioneer. And he was inducted in the Sales and Marketing Hall of Fame back in 2012. He's the founder of Objective Management Group. This, you probably already know, is the industry leader in sales assessment and Salesforce evaluations, which gives him a front row seat to some of the most interesting data points in sales, which we'll talk about today. And Larry, you know, he's the author of Mindless Selling and the bestseller Baseline Selling, How to Become a Sales Superstar by Using What You Already Know About the Game of Baseball. Oh, there we go. Dave, welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast. It's great to have you here. Hey, guys, it's cool to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, Dave, this is this is going to be great because we got two baseball guys that are going to beat up on Daryl through this whole podcast. I love it. <laughs> What's well, your team, Larry? Oh, of course, the Dodgers. All you got to do is look over my shoulders. Love the Sorry, Dave. Love the Dodgers. We're, we're half Dodgers now in Boston. That's all good. That's good. <laughs> and we, we won't go there. It's fun here today. And Dave, <laughs> the question that every guest on the Selling from the Heart podcast answers to kick off the episode, and that is, what does it mean to you to sell from the heart? To me, it's all about showing your passion. And so many salespeople stiffen up when they meet a prospect for the first time, when they need to present something, but like hanging out with you guys before the show started, kidding around and laughing. And even funny people tend to stiffen up and get all too serious and act all too professional. And that's not who they really are. You've got to be able to lighten up with people. And if you really love what you're doing, selling professionally, and you love what you're selling, then you've got to let that come through. So be who you are, lighten up, let your passion come through and people will see that and want to do business with you. I, I love this because uh, not only do I, I mean, we bring passion to everything we do here at Selling from the Heart, but when you combine it with purpose, that just magnifies everything. So, you know, it's so interesting, Dave, because we hear it all. I mean, we've heard them over and over and over throughout the years. What's it mean to sell from the heart? And I think we haven't heard the word passion for a while. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm passionate about this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it just lighten up too. That's just uh, yes. Why have up. fun? Jeez, that would take all the seriousness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you've got you've had a very very interesting front row seat to trends of what's been going on in sales, what works and what doesn't at Objective Management Group. And to me, this is really, really fascinating because there's a lot of pontificators out there that have opinions about what works and what doesn't. But you've got data, you know what's going on. So I'm just curious as we're sitting here, we're at the dawn of 2023. We're looking forward. Uh, it's an interesting world we're in right now. What's going on out there in the world of sales that has your attention? That's a great question. <laughs> Everything <laughs> has my attention. And, you know, we, we've got so much data that once in a while, it's important to, to look at the data differently than we look at it historically. Like when I read an article, 
or, or I do a video rant and I start referring to percentages, average scores, percent that are strong, percent that are weak, the differences between the strong and the weak. Once in a while, you have to go through the data and put some date filters on it. Like, what was this like before COVID hit? And what was this like in the middle of lockdowns? And what's it like since we kind of sort of maybe got back to normal, except for still selling virtually over video? And a lot of stuff doesn't change. Like tactical selling competencies didn't change between the before, the during, and the after. But you know what did change is competencies like desire for success in sales and commitment to do whatever it takes to achieve that success in sales and motivation and excuse making. That stuff was all over the place during lockdown. And, and what's interesting is that the folks who made excuses before the pandemic continued to make excuses. <laughs> the folks who didn't make excuses before the pandemic didn't make excuses during the mm -hmm. pandemic. Mm -hmm. But one of the changes that we saw was big drop in motivation, big change in outlook, how people were feeling about themselves, big change in commitment. Hmm. All the average scores on all three of those dropped 10 points. Wow. For the, for the year or so mm -hmm. uh, between when lockdown started in March of 2020 till we really kind of came out of it in the summer of 2021. Mm -hmm. And then, Everything after 2021 was back to pre-COVID percentages mm -hmm. and scores. So it was pretty cool to see the data change along with what was going on. Um, but the, the, thing that's, the thing that's got my attention right now is as selling is starting to get a little more difficult, as, as big companies are starting to put some spending freezes in place on discretionary purchases, as salespeople are starting to find there's more competition for less business, uh, the ability to differentiate is front and center. And differentiation comes from their ability to take a consultative approach mm -hmm. and consultative selling, wh whatever form of it you're using. Let's narrow it down to the ability to effectively listen and ask great questions. Mm -hmm. um, that is the lowest scoring competency out of the 21 that we measure at Objective Management Group. And Whoa. the best salespeople, even the top 5%, aren't great at selling consultatively. There's a huge gap between the wow. top 5% and the bottom 50%. But even, even the best salespeople in the world could be better at that. And then the other thing is qualifying, you know, because salespeople are wasting a ton of time pursuing opportunities that they have no chance of winning. The companies are spending all kinds of money on proposal generation and quoting and win rates are going down, 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 down. I'm sure you see that too. It's, it's just rampant. And you referenced some of the articles I've written recently. Uh, one of the most recent articles showed that top salespeople were 8,600% better at qualifying than the bottom 50%. Mm. Wow. Now that 50% that doesn't hit quota every, every month, every quarter, every year, that's the weakest 50% for the most part. The top 5%, 8,600% better at qualifying. And 
that's a huge difference maker. Oh, this is good stuff. I, I, I really want to camp on, on these two things, consultative and qualifying if we can. And let's just continue to peel this back. Dave is I want to go back to consultative because I want you to, I want you just to expand on this a little bit more, if you will, is because so many salespeople out there and I'll throw a dart at it. Say they're consultative sellers. Oh, yeah. But that's, just, but that's to stop and think about this, you know, just for your research and some of the data that, that you've extracted from this. How do you define what a consulta- consultative seller is versus what you see out there? People saying they're consultative sellers, sellers. Oh, I, I think that's the right question to be asking. And that's the right conversation for us to have, because I've been noticing for 20 years, anyhow, that if you ask 100 people what consultative selling is, you got 100 different answers. Nobody has a freaking clue. And even if you teach them the right way to take a consultative approach, even if you, you teach them about a sequence of uh, uncovering a need and finding a compelling reason why they would buy and a compelling reason why they would buy it from you, finding issues, finding the consequences behind those issues, the financial impact to those issues. You ask 30 really good questions and have the difficult conversation that nobody else has had. Even if you teach it the right way, they'll go back and apply it and say, okay, I got to ask more questions. So they'll pre-script two or three questions and they'll ask them and then I'll jump to a presentation anyhow. (laughs) And and (laughs) with with every question, it becomes more and more uncomfortable for them to ask yet another follow-up question. And qualifying, screw that. We'll skip the qualifying. Who needs qualifying? They're going to take the path of least resistance to the very thing they're most comfortable with, which is talking about themselves, talking about their company, talking about their product, talking about their service, and trying to give them the lowest possible price. Mm. Yeah, the concept around listening uh, with that is is really, really powerful. We talk a lot here at Selling from the Heart about trust. We train around trust building skills. And I think this, uh, you know, you talk to a lot of salespeople. I think one of the reasons they give up is they don't feel like uh, they give up on this questioning thing, two or three questions in and just dive into the, or I guess I'll just pull out the slide deck because Maybe they haven't. Uh, they don't feel like the the client is opening up. And I, in my opinion, when when that prospect is not um, forthcoming or opening up, to me, that's like a huge red flag that you haven't established enough trust yet to be able to have the depth of conversation. I'm, I'm curious what you see when when you look at the data around trust and and you know how how prospects are interacting with salespeople. Well, it, it's kind of neat that how all the stuff plays together. Mm-hmm. For, for example. I go all the way back to selling professionally in 1973. So I've been doing this literally for 50 years. And I know that dates me pretty good, but it is. Love it. And back in the 60s. It's all good, it's all good Dave. You're as old as Daryl, so it's all good. <laughs> back in the 60s and the 70s, all you needed was a relationship. Mm-hmm. If they liked you, they bought from you. It was that simple. And liking you hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. That's still a criteria, but it's probably one of 10 or 15 criteria now. Mm-hmm. So what one of the, the wraps on salespeople is that they're still doing relationship selling. But we've evaluated a lot of those relationship 
sales teams, the ones that will elongate the sales cycle to build a relationship so that the prospect feels compelled to buy because of the relationship. And those relationships just aren't there. They're in the they're in the salesperson's heads. Um, salespeople score pretty poorly on relationship building. And what they don't understand about relationships is if you truly have a good relationship, then you're going to be the first call that prospect or customer makes. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tell you what's going on. And it's mm-hmm. your business to lose. Um, if if you have a relationship that's only in your own mind, you'll find out what's going on, but it might be too late to do anything about it. So uh, for as much attention as salespeople think they're placing on relationship building, they pretty much suck at it. The other thing that's key <laughs> it's reaching decision makers. Salespeople aren't getting to decision makers. And so if, if we look at this convergence of relationship building and consultative selling, mm-hmm. selling value can be added to the picture and uh, qualifying. So if salespeople don't uncover a compelling reason to buy part of a consultative approach and don't peel the onion back far enough to get to consequences, personal impact, and the ability to monetize the whole thing. All of that creates urgency. If they don't get to urgency, then they get to nice to have. And we see this with tech mm-hmm. companies. You know, they do a demo and the people on the other end go, cool. But that's all it is. It's cool. It's nice to have. Um, and when when all they get is nice to have, then whoever it is that they're selling to, they don't have a compelling reason either to get a decision maker engaged, to get some ridiculous amount of money approved for purchase. So that's the opportunity just sits in the pipeline and never moves forward. That's the epitome of a stalled opportunity. But if we're uncovering those compelling reasons to buy and creating urgency, the urgency gets the decision maker engaged and the decision maker can spend the money. And the decision maker, if it's important enough, will qualify himself. And mm-hmm. qualification doesn't have to be pulling teeth. When there's urgency, they'll they'll basically say, what do you need from me? And, and they'll literally qualify themselves. Mm-hmm. So relationship building, consultative selling, selling value, reaching decision makers, they're all interconnected. And when, when salespeople do those things well, they get the business most of the time. And when they suck at doing those things, that's that's when we have one of those proposals that doesn't close mm-hmm. or opportunity that gets stuck in the middle of the pipeline. Oh, man, I just I love this because it goes what you just said, Dave, goes hand in hand with what we talk about at Selling from the Heart all the time when it comes to building trust and credibility. It's about building authentic relationships and bringing meaningful business value. And what I just admire about what you just said is you just threw the gauntlet down. And I loved how many times you you were the suck word. But it's just (laughs) a just that's a mirror moment because you use relationship selling Mm -hmm. and how many times. Do I see salespeople think they have really great relationships with their clients, yet they haven't unpacked what the relationship means to their clients? Exactly. 
It's in their head. It's in the head. It's, it's, it's a it's fantasy. Like <laughs> it's like happy years. And I heard what I wanted to hear. So we're going to close this next Tuesday. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to take a brief break right now. And we've got a selling from the heart champion that we're going to hear from today. He's our good friend, John Schroeder. And John uh, is going to share with us what it means to him to sell from the heart. And we're going to hear from John after a brief word from our sponsors. Hey, are you ready to take your sales to the next level? At Selling from the Heart, we believe that authenticity wins. And that's why we created the all-new program, Discover Your Authentic Selling Style. This is a powerful program that will help you tap into your unique strengths and abilities to create authentic and successful sales interactions. If you believe in selling from the heart and want to grow your sales, we created this course just for you. So head over to sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash selling dash style and discover your authentic selling style today. Hey, I just want to give a quick shout out to Jackie, Bill, Larry, and Daryl and everything that you guys have done in, in the last year that I've been affiliated with selling from the heart and really what it means to me, John Schroeder, one of the many royals across the globe. And that is, is I always, always think I've been a, a little on that side, but I think just, you know, bringing the awareness to the forefront, you know, for me personally on a day to day basis with all the interactions I have, whether it's personal or it's professional, just being more intentional, being more purposeful, um, and just heartfelt and just truly giving a rip about other people. Thanks for all you guys do. And I really appreciate being a part of this community. <laughs> I, I love Schroeder. Every time that guy drops a video, Dave Curlin, there's rock and roll music in the background. I don't know why, but it just goes to show you when that guy grew up. But it's all good. Thanks, John. Yeah, thank you, Schroeder. What a blast. Hey, <laughs> you know, some edgy music to my rants. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, we were talking uh, before that about this fantasy world that some sales professionals, maybe a lot of sales professionals live in. And the fantasy, I see two parts of this fantasy. One is I got this incredible relationship. Like we're so tight, me and this buyer. And then the second thing is we're fantasizing about the value uh, that we're bringing to them and that they understand how this is going to solve their top three business problems or personal issues and all of that. Um, what, when, when you look at the data, how, how can you tell, uh, I'm just curious around this, like, how can you tell whether a rep or a candidate even is going to live in that fantasy world or whether they're going to be a little bit more realistic about <laughs> this, the status of the relationship and the deal? Well, there's a few ways we see that in the data. Uh, one place is we have a competency called responsibility. And whether they take responsibility for their results or they rationalize away their results. Mm. An example, um, hey, boss, got this great opportunity and I'm going to close it tomorrow for $150,000. Fast forward tomorrow. Need some fast forward effect music. Like, <laughs> And boss says, hey, Tony, how'd you make out? Uh, you wouldn't believe it. I thought we had this deal. They didn't go with us. They went with, those guys, why? Well, um, they they came in with a better price. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. 
but that's excuse making, right? We rationalized that it was a better price. So I, I like to talk about the index and the thumb, the index uh -huh. finger and the thumb. Um, when they point to the competition or they point to the prospect was a jerk and wouldn't listen, or they point to their own company and you didn't give me the pricing we needed, or you weren't responsive enough and I, it took an extra day, that index finger always points externally. That's rationalizing. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe factual, but rationalizing. But if they use the finger, the, the finger, if they use the thumb, <laughs> that, that must be the, the gap in between the index finger and the thumb, the finger. There if you go. Thumb, you heard it here first. Folks. Internally, and they need to be able to say, I wasn't effective enough at, mm. at selling our value. Mm. I wasn't effective enough at overcoming uh, the price objection that I got. I wasn't effective enough at overcoming the fact that we know those guys always have a lower price. And when they rationalize, there's nothing we could do as coaches and trainers and managers to make them any better because they haven't accepted that they need to be better. But if they use mm -hmm. the thumb, they say it was me. It was my fault. I take responsibility. Then we can start coaching. That's an invitation to ask. So what could you have done differently mm -hmm. and figure out why that didn't happen? And the reason it didn't happen is more often probably going to be found in their sales DNA, a weakness that made them uncomfortable than it is in their skill set. They probably knew what they could have done, should have done in that moment, but weren't comfortable enough saying it, asking it, discussing it. So they stuck it under the rug and ignored it and just ended up with that outcome. Mm. So that's one of the ways that we can see those happy years is when they don't take responsibility for the results. We can also see it in their qualifying competency. You know, there's 12 different attributes that make up the qualifier competency. And the lower that score is, uh, the more likely it is that they're just seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. We can also see it in the quality of the questions they're asking. We can see it in the pipeline analysis we do. We, we have them uh, introduce four late-stage proposal-ready or closable opportunities. We ask them 19 questions about each of those opportunities. And what, when we do a couple of things with all that information, we rate the quality of an organization's pipeline, you know, the percentage of opportunities that are high quality, fair quality, and poor quality. And then we restage the pipeline for them. We, we take all these opportunities, which are supposed to be late stage, and based on the information the salespeople know and validate about those opportunities, we move it into the stage that it should be in. Mm. in a, sales organization, half of those opportunities are going to go back two stages. You know, if, if we look at the stages as suspect, prospect, qualified, closable for simplistic terms, then half of those opportunities, which should all be uh, qualified or closable, move back to suspect or prospect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we can see it all over the place in the data. Hey, did, I mean, I love this. I love this conversation. I just have a quick question for you as I was just listening to what you're saying. It's just about competency. Would you say the stronger the competency, the less the excuse making? Just from your data and your research? Generally speaking, yes. I would say there's a correlation to that. Interesting. Uh, well, we've got a lot of sales leaders listening in, and I know having been a sales leader in days past, uh, I've made some bad hires along the way. 
Um, and uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that that you've got some recommendations for sales leaders to avoid uh, making bad hires up front. What what would you say to the sales leaders who, like me, along the way have gone, uh, that wasn't a good one? Well, first, it's not surprising that about 50% of all hires are bad hires. Sales leaders get it right about half the time. And I wrote an article um, probably the beginning of January uh, about Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking to Strangers. 400 pages of why people get it wrong. So sales leaders get lumped into the whole population of people who get it wrong. And it's about why humans make such lousy judges of people they don't know. And one of the great examples in the book, and, and there are dozens of examples, you know, from literally New York City judges to the CIA, to uh, criminal prosecutors, uh, psychological experiments with PhDs. He's got everything in there. But the one I like the best was the New York judges where they took 550,000 cases and the judges had to make a determination about who to let out on bail and what to what to set for a bail amount. And out of those 550,000 cases, 400,000 people were released. And then they took those same 500,000 cases and they had the computer software go through the same cases and pick the 400,000 that should be released. And the software program and the judges all had the same information to work from. It was a criminal record and their age. And um, the judges had one more thing. They got to meet face to face and look the defendant in the eye and ask <laughs> questions. So the judges had extra real information. The computer outperformed the judges by 25% and determine wow. who should be let out with the criteria being whether or not they cre uh, they um, perpetrated another crime while they were out on bail. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it, it the whole takeaway from the book is that people suck at this. They just <laughs> people are people are good at judging honest people who are acting honestly. Mm -hmm. that. People are good at judging dishonest people who are acting dishonestly. We can do that. But people suck at judging honest people who are acting dishonestly and dishonest people who are acting honestly. Yeah, con men. <laughs> and the, <laughs> it's no surprise that sales leaders get it right half the time, but a good, accurate, predictive, customizable sales candidate assessment, like the one that OMG happens to put out, takes all of that judgment out of the picture, takes the bias out of the picture and allows you to just rely on data to determine who to interview. And then in the interview, you, if they're all recommended, then out of the folks you're interviewing, you hire the ones that you love. Um, mm -hmm. Those leaders fall in love with a candidate and hire the ones they like without there having been a filter in place to narrow it down to people who will succeed in the role. Oh, you know, this this is fascinating because what Dave just said, let's just apply this into the the sales world. Because just as sales leaders may be trying to find that ideal sales candidate based on certain criteria, can't the same be said when a salesperson is presenting why they should do business 
with that person. So if we flip this around, right, you're on a job interview, you're on a job interview for that prospective client. And that same word that comes up that I heard Dave use is judging. They're judging you right away based on appearance, based on their criteria, based on what comes out of your mouth, based on your tonality and how you carry yourself. So it's interesting because that you could we could tie that both together in a couple different ways. Yeah. All the job offers that get made to great candidates who don't take the job because they decided to take a different job or they just didn't like the idea of working for you. Yeah, works both ways. And oh, yeah. by that way too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Really, really fascinating. I love, uh, I want to recommend that everybody listening in um, follows you, follows your blog, because you have some really, really interesting things um, to say. Dave, at, before we, we jump off here, how can folks get more Dave Curlin in their life? More Dave Curlin. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, dude, don't think about it. Curlin, just let it go. Okay, so my blog uh, <laughs> is omghub.com, Objective Management Group Hub.com, omghub.com. And you can email me at uh, my other email address for Curlin and Associates, dcurlin, K U R L A N, at curlinassociates.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. We'll have to have you back to talk about baseball sometime when the baseball season is up and running. Uh, I but think you'll have to have me back about four or five times because we didn't even start the conversation. Nah, it's yeah. all good. You're welcome back anytime, Dave. So, so fun. And uh, look, I love the work you're doing. You're, you've been uh, such an incredible resource to the uh, sales industry for so many decades and just a huge honor to share time with you today. Dave, thanks for investing in us today here at Selling from the Heart. Hey, thanks so much for thinking of me and inviting me to join you guys so we could laugh a little. Yeah, you're awesome. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Larry, what a fantastic oh. conversation. This, uh, so many different uh, nuggets inside here for us to consider right now. You know, in, in especially if we look at where we're at now, and if we even look throughout 2023, this is where, and, and I, lo I love the conversation we got around competency. I love the conversation we got around, we have to be able to create differentiation as well. And there's so many ways that we can do this, but that's why there'll always be a difference between a sales professional and a sales rep. And it all boils down for me, it's are we willing to remove the excuses and just do what we need to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is, uh, this is the time to do that. It's time to get honest about our relationships and honest about a real assessment of the stuff that's in our pipeline. Do we really understand the value? I thought what uh, Dave was saying at the beginning about consultative selling was really, really important and really, really critical, especially right now as companies are scrutinizing their budget quite a bit more than they were may maybe previously. So this might be a rewind episode to go back and take some notes We've got an incredible roster of guests coming up throughout the rest of this winter and into the spring. I just can't wait. I'm so, I almost just want to jump right to the next episode. We got to record it first. We're going to have some good conversations. <laughs> I've gotten to see the people on the list. So you want to make sure to like or subscribe uh, wherever you listen or to or watch Selling from the Heart. And a huge shout out to everybody watching us on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing and leaving us a review there as we grow our video presence. And this movement of authentic sales professionals, Larry, is just so cool. Watching it spread all across the world and across multiple industries. 
and this community. You want to come hang out with us in the insiders group. I guarantee you're going to absolutely love it. No, you know, absolutely. And this movement starts with all of you. It's just, we just got to take one step at a time because when we started this, it was all based on a movement and it was about bringing authenticity, integrity, and trust back into the sales profession. It's a noble profession. Let's carry ourselves the same way. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you to everybody listening in. Till next time, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep building trust, be consultative with your clients, and most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.